0: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado
2: Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, joined always by my elven ring of power, Evan Lang. <laughs>
0: uh, which one, though?
2: Any of them. Ones?
0: Am I Nenya? Oh, man. Yeah, you lost me. <laughs> Nenya business. <laughs> nice.
2: You can be whichever one you want to be. You want to be Aww. Galadriel? You go for it. Oh, well, Mac, you are our dwarven ring of power, Mr. Mac Wilcox. Honestly, that makes the most sense.
1: I am the beard of one of the group. I got the bushiest uh, beard between us. So that that actually tracks.
2: There you go. And yep. you just love digging for rocks. I do. If
1: y'all can see the, the setup I have down here in the basement where I live in, I, I certainly do look like a little minor man hiding in my little hideout. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's accurate.
0: So are you saying that you're... Like it mac z minor
1: wow there's a small percentage of people that are going to lose their minds over that joke evan and that is who we play to that's our audience (laughs)
2: that's our people never know what you're gonna get from us (laughs) fun stuff hey fellas we got tons of rockies baseball to talk about here the season is winding down and some would say mercifully is coming to an end <laughs> I'd for say Rockies mercifully. fans pretty mercis- mercifully. <clears throat> it's like after you've been watching, just been forced to watch just the longest movie again and again, and it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's finally coming to an end. But before we get into all that, Evan has an icebreaker for us. The WBC World Baseball Classic is getting underway. Qualifiers are happening. Teams are getting in, getting ready or the big event starting in the spring or around March. And there's this, icebreaker question. What WBC qualifier teams are you rooting for? I know Mac, you're, you're kind of hot on this. You too, Evan. I am, man.
1: I love the world baseball classic. I think it is like one of the best things that baseball has introduced in the last like 30 years. Genuinely. I think it's fantastic. Um, I personally am rooting for any first time qualifiers, so for those that don't know, we finally have uh, our first two qualifiers from the first round of the qualifying play-in games. Uh, that is Great Britain and the Czech Republic. First-time teams playing in the World Baseball Classic. They've never appeared before. Very cool to see them in there. So, you know, it be really cool to see either of those guys win just because, you know, I like the underdogs and who more so than the first-timers. But beyond that, of course, the easy answer is uh, Team USA goes out saying a lot of yes USA yeah the the USA lineup they haven't announced any pitchers thus far but the USA lineup right now is like terrifying I think in the past the world baseball classic has been sort of considered you know I don't want to say a gimmick necessarily but just something that's like not super important or critical to the players themselves that does not seem the case this year they've got Mike Trout they've got JT Romuto they've got Tyler uh, or excuse did Tim Anderson. Like they, there are just stars all over that USA team, which is super fun. Uh, so that, that I guess is my uh, fairly obvious answer is Team USA. But I'd also like to see teams like Great Britain or Czech Republic who are coming in for the first time have some fun and get some spotlight on them as well. How about you, Abdog? Who you got?
0: So real quick, just I think it's funny you mentioned the um, the not as big a deal thing. What it really reminds me of is the how basketball used to be in the Olympics back in the day. Oh, for sure. For the dream team. Yeah. But so for the qualifiers specifically, my my main team has been the Czech Republic who qualified in the Regensburg Germany qualifiers last week. Uh, really excited to see that they were a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the Panama qualifiers in Panama City are happening this week, starting today, actually. Mm. Uh, right now, Brazil is playing New Zealand. Brazil is on top 12-7. It's the end of the eighth inning. But that one's tough. I think I'm pulling for Team Brazil out of the Panama qualifiers, them or Panama themselves. But either way, my, my main team from the qualifiers has been Czech Republic, and then of the uh, of the big teams, you know, obviously Team USA, just because, you know, that's the the home squad. Mm-hmm. But either way, I love the World Baseball Classic, and it's going to be really, really fun to see as the season ends, players sort of disseminate to their country teams. It's like uh, Jazz Chisholm is going to play for Great Britain. Yep. And um, Justin Lawrence of the Rockies is expected to join up with Team Panama if they qualify. So, Love you know what's that crazy? For Team Pakistan, who are going to
1: try and qualify in Pool B, they have three 16-year-olds on their team. 16. How crazy is that? Like, it's just, it's so cool getting, you know, to see all these different players and these different cultures uh, come together on this stage. It's awesome, awesome, awesome.
0: And it's, ex- and it's an extremely young sport in, in a country like Pakistan. Oh, and that's totally. one of the cool things about the World Baseball Classic is that you get all these teams that you don't really think of as oh that's a that's a baseball country uh, well you get like, to
1: see it grow in real time exactly yeah like, you don't
0: think of the czech republic as a as a country that's big on on baseball exactly. but they have their whole um czech baseball organization and now they've qualified for the classic that's so awesome i love it we go. how about you skyler
2: oh just team usa <laughs>
0: maybe canada
2: if they do some stuff (laughs) uh but mainly uh, i just want to reiterate like the world baseball classic is what the olympics should be for baseball Mm -hmm. because you know this past the past summer olympics they had baseball come back and you know it was just kind of a thing it didn't get as much you know airtime It wasn't too as much because you you don't get these big name stars of major league baseball that you do in the world baseball classic where guys take pride. We're like, yeah, I'm playing for no, my home country. I'm playing for team USA. You know, I think that goes a long way for some of those guys who no they don't get to play in the Olympics because it's in the middle of the season and nobody's taking off time in the middle of July and August to do that. So they get that chance. So, no, it's what the all-star game should be. You get that big competitive feel. All these guys playing at their very best. No, it's what the Olympics should be. Top yep. of the top of the line players going up against each other. So it'll just be exciting to see. And hopefully March can get here quickly so we can enjoy the competitive games. I can't wait. But it'll be great. It's going to be sweet. It will be sweet. And obviously... I think we've all talked about this before. We'll always be rooting on our Rockies, mm-hmm. even former Rockies, wherever teams they may play for. And you know, we've had guys that want to play for Venezuela, you know, guys for Panama. You know, there's even guys that they probably w- might not make the team, but want to play for USA mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. So you know, Jake Bird for Team Israel, I think that's a big one. Yep. Uh, so uh, we'll root for our guys, whichever country they play for and try to qualify with, and all that. But at the end of the day, USA, USA, (laughs) USA. Anywho, moving right along here, let's get into some Rockies baseball action here. Uh, The Colorado Herdies continue in full stride. There has been a number of guys who are now out for the season here in this last week or so. Had some guys return like Brendan Rogers, Jose Iglesias, Alex Colomay's back from bereavement, all this stuff, but it comes at a cost as eventually Charlie Blackman is out for the rest of the season with a torn meniscus. Connor Joe's out with a muscle strain. Carlos Mm. Estevez, who initially went on the COVID list, then got moved to the non-COVID illness list because he's just sick. And it's kind of decimated the roster here. Some big name guys as we close out the rest of the season and, Injuries happen to every team, but it has decimated the Rockies this season. They've really struggled when it comes to injuries. Mm-hmm.
0: I will say the bright side, for, for whatever there is a bright side, is that this um, the way things came together made it so that we could reinstate guys like Brendan Rodgers and Jose Iglesias without having to cut or demote the rookies who are finally getting playing time. So that's definitely a good thing, but you never want to see anybody's season end prematurely even if there's only a week left. Um Charlie Blackman, seeing him, you know, go down with only a week left in the season, that's no fun to see. Same for Connor Joe who even though his playing time had greatly decreased due to performance, you know, the the fans still really love him. And then Carlos Estevez is just hard cuz this is a this is a contract year for him. This is his yeah. walk year. So he doesn't get a chance to put the the final spin on his resume for if he will be returning to the Rockies next year or if he's going to you know test the waters of free agency and see what other kind of team is going to pick him up especially because how
1: well, especially how well he's been pitching recently he's looked great I'm yeah in the
0: time. second half he's been fabulous and yeah it, it really puts out that i I would hope that the Rockies bring him back, but you never know if they're Uh, what is in the cards for the Rockies in the off season because they're so strange. Um, (laughs) Charlie Blackman, we know is going to be back next year. He already said he plans to exercise his player option, which should be for about 18 million. Now that he has met all of his contract incentives. Mm. Uh, Connor Joe is, is a little tricky. He's under team control until like 2028. He hasn't hit arbitration yet, but the roster is going to be a little bit crowded next year with outfielders again. And with how he really struggled in the, in the second half before and going down with injury, you don't really know what his fate is going to look like. So yeah, huge bummer of a way to a way to end this season. And like I said, at the very least you can still have the, the rookies playing, but you never want to see anybody go down like this right before the season's over.
1: Yes. Well, and to your point, like, you know, I think we all kind of had the same uh, thought when a lot of this went down, which is, of course, to your point, never want to see anybody get hurt. Obviously, hope everyone comes back 100% next year ready to go. But, man, a torn meniscus, that's a pretty gnarly injury for a guy like Chuck. You know, I, that's, a, that's a tough one. And I don't know, maybe you both can educate me. I mean, what is the recovery time on a torn meniscus, you know, for a baseball player? Do you all know off the top of your heads? I guess I could Google it here, but like, give any idea what that recovery time looks like. Is that like a ready for spring training thing or is that like a significant time miss thing?
0: So general recovery time for torn meniscus after surgery can be anywhere between six weeks and three months. Hmm. Um, plus, you know, rehab and physical therapy time. Yeah. But it is expected that uh, Chuck should be ready for spring training.
1: Okay. Well that is good at least. Cause I guess I thought it was a, a worse deal than it is, but yeah, obviously you mentioned guys like Connor Joe and I think, Carlos Estevez had done enough this second half to, I think, still definitely peak interest on his free agent market. I do think it's likely he'll return to the Rockies. That's where he's been the last, like, 38 years. But uh, I do think that he'll get some (laughs) phone calls either way. But uh, Connor Joe, I think that's the tough one. I think Connor Joe, we'd started to see a little more out of him of late. To Evan's point, he had a really tough second half after a really pretty strong first quarter, quarter, first third of the season or so but he has been struggling since that second half began. And I think in the last couple of games he played, we started to see something. There was a home run there, some pop, you know, whatever, hopefully end the season on a high note and maybe get back at a good place for next season. But going down the way he did, he's not going to get to finish his season. Like that is a really, really tough way for him to end. And, you know, of all these players, of the and the and the Blackman's, I think that, Connor Joe's future might be the most uncertain as far as what his place looks like with the Rockies next season. So, tough one for him. Obviously, hope that he can get back to his uh, you know, 100% health and and pick up where he left off at the start of this season and get back to a good place, but yeah, real tough to say what his future looks like right now.
2: And you, and you can say that about a lot of guys on this team and that's something that we'll probably talk about in another episode. Yeah. Well, after the season you no know, cuz the, there's going to be some roster shuffling and so every at bat for some of these guys on the bubble count the Connor Joes, yeah. the the Garrett Hampsons you know guys like that every inning every bat really matters and can be kind of show them like hey I I still deserve a spot on this team but then you get the young guys the rookies who are also proving themselves like yeah we deserve a spot for next year and so it, it's just extended spring training battles that are closing out the season. So we'll see who will, who won't come back for next year. But like we said, pretty safe to say Charlie Blackman is coming back Mm -hmm. next year. Um, How that'll impact his playing time and everything. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But if he even wants to endure another season with Colorado, Hmm. who knows? But hopefully we wish everybody a speedy recovery. And whatever they may be dealing with, get healthy because we need them. And we love them. Aww. We love them. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting really creepy. Good. Share a danger witch with them and have Russell Wilson tell them about it. There you go. That's the real answer. <laughs> Did you guys see that video? It was, it was odd. It was very strange. <laughs> very strange indeed. But something we want to kind of move on here. Bill Schmidt, Rockies general manager, you talked to the media, whether at Coors Field or somewhere, but he talked to him kind of a, a near an end of the season type of thing. Mm. And there was a lot of, I guess, stuff that came out from it that can be kind of worrisome to a lot of fans. I know for me especially, fortunately, it sounds like a lot of the same stuff We've heard from the Rockies again and again for years of we just need to play better and kind of finding excuses of, well, this is why and we didn't have this guy and that type of thing. So I want to start with Evan here. What's one thing that stuck out to you from Bill Schmidt's comments that kind of stuck out to you the most?
0: Mm. Uh, Well, so once again, Bill Schmidt says that he thinks this team can be competitive with a little tweaking, which after four straight losing seasons now. And I feel like pretty much everybody is prepared for a fifth for next year. I think that's really sort of tough to swallow for a lot of fans. We've talked about how, you know, the the way that this team is ran right now generates a lot of apathy. And it's really frustrating to see a lot of these, you know, same comments come out. The big thing for me was talking about the offense where, Schmidt outlines that he wants a similar offensive strategy for this year to where with a focus on power but to do better at it but the Rockies did not do good with power numbers this year and so and we talked about this before the whatever offensive strategy whatever batting philosophy that we've been using clearly isn't working Uh, the bright side on this is that Schmidt did say that he wants to obtain more pieces. He did admit, so he says that he believes that we have the pieces here, but that they need more. We're not where we need to be. And that while he's optimistic that young players are coming and will be here to help that a lot of them are probably not going to be ready for the beginning of next season. So he would want to, you know, make additions, which would be great but then why didn't we do anything sort of to align with that at the trade deadline and and what really bothers me just about his comments is that so much of it is just people need to do better so he harps on how you know Kyle Freeland and Erman Marquez both just need to pitch better next year And, you know, laid back on the, the excuse that we've been, we've been given, which is that because of the spring shortened spring training due to the lockout that they just never really picked it up. But it's now been like a full season and (laughs) Armand Marquez really had his worst professional season and it is so late in the year now. And there was never really a rebound that we can say, oh, it's just because of the spring training. Erman did not pitch well this season. Yeah. And if he does pitch better next year, that's great. But what I would have liked to hear is an actual some kind of actual strategy for that. And that's that's just something that always comes home to roost with these kinds of comments from the Rockies front office is the vagary, the the insularness, the lack of openness. So it's like, okay, we need to make the offensive strategy work how are you going to do that crickets oh Kyle Freeland and Eramon Marquez need to both pitch better okay how are we going to facilitate that crickets so it's it's just super frustrating and i can see why a lot of people were were pretty upset by his comments i mean all we can really do is now wait and see where we are at as we come to spring training next year see what they do at the winter meetings see what they do during the off season but it is just so it is it's frustrating and i try to be you know positive most of the time but there's not a whole lot of positive to take away from these super vague statements that really boil down to a lot of what we've heard before and if there's actually a plan in place i would love to hear it like there's nothing wrong with with having a plan and wanting to execute on that plan but i think you need to be open with what that plan is what i would really like to know is so he says that you know bud black is definitely going to be back next year okay are we going to make any other changes with the coaching staff that's what i want to know
1: yeah so to that point i think we've talked a lot about on this show like the the i think the rockies have got to find a way to talk about their plans and about their ideas without like, because I, I I think this is my theory. I don't have anything to back this up, but like, this is just my theory is I think they're worried about giving away trade secrets, right? They don't want to give up their strategy to the media because like, well, I don't want other teams to know how we're doing things or know how we're, you know, planning to attack or whatever, but it's like, you can still tell us what the plan is without like compromising your game strategy, you know, like, I mm-hmm. think that's the, that's my issue is to Evan's point, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of clarity as far as what the plan is. I understand that you don't want to say, okay, well we are planning to sign this guy. We're looking for X bat. We're looking for Y pitcher to strategize with this, you know, in game plan next year. Like, okay, fine. Like you don't want to let the giants know how you're planning to attack them next year. That's totally fine. But like, when you say things like, well, you know, I think this team can compete the next season, they just have to play better. Like, I don't think there's anybody that thinks that's, that's the case. Like, like, with all due respect, right? Like, I, I, it's, we are all Rockies fans, first and foremost. We all want to see them succeed. We all want to see the guys that are on the team right now succeed. But the Rockies, as they currently stand, do not have the same level of talent or depth that the Dodgers, the Padres, or even the Giants do, or maybe even the Dimebacks. And the idea that they're just a piece or two away from that. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I think that there are guys, the Brendan Rogers and the Tolias and the Tovars, like, we are, we are taking steps towards that. And that's great. But they've put themselves in a position where there's a log jam at a lot of different positions. The corner infield is a log jam. The outfield is a log jam to a certain degree. The, rotation is incredibly thin. So like, what are you going to do to add to that? You know? And I think it's just, it's just questions like those that would be very helpful. You don't want to say things like Mm -hmm. we're looking to shop CJ Crown." Of course not. Right. You can't just say that about a player. I get that, but you can say something like, yeah, you know, we want to shore up our infield. We want to figure out what the middle of the order looks like for the next few seasons. We want to see, if we can maybe add an arm or two to our rotation, like that's a reasonable thing for a front office to lay out. Right. And that, and like, if you heard that, if you heard the same exact presser, both of you, like you you hear the exact same presser, but they give that information. They say, yeah, there could be some changes to our coaching staff. Or they, they say something like, yeah, we're going to try and add an arm in the off season or oh, you know, uh, we think we have the pieces out here, but I think an impact bat might help us. That's such a small change, but it's at least it's something, and it's it's more to look forward to and more to analyze and expect out of the team rather than, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? I don't know what you make of all this. Yeah. Tyler.
2: No, and that's that same thing. You know, in my own nerdy, sad, lonely world, when I play <laughs> franchise mode on MLB the Show, God, <laughs> oftentimes I'll wander around the house and have like my. I own general manager press conferences in my head after like after a season and no talking about those same things to an audience of, yeah, you don't have to divulge like every little plan that you want to do, you know, but in the, in the grand scheme of major league baseball, everybody's playing risk. And the point of risk is world domination. They want (laughs) to win the world series. (laughs) Everybody has the same goal. The same plan is to take all the countries, win all the games, win the trophy the commissioner's trophy now the way you go about that everybody has a different strategy but there are proven ways to victory no in the game of risk in any board game no there are proven ways to win that are pretty effective Mm -hmm. and that's what we see teams like the dodgers Mm -hmm. follow no the tampa bay rays have their own way of doing things that's pretty effective and works for them oh instead of trying to like replicate everybody else's, the Rockies try to do their own thing or try to copy somebody else's, but they don't know how to do it. And so it's, they got to figure out their strategy. No, that does take maybe some pieces from, Oh, the Dodgers do this. Well, they're incredibly well, do well at this. We should try implementing that. Oh, the Tampa Bay Rays are really good in this department. We should try maybe following what they do in that. Instead, they're, Trying to do their own weird thing that just doesn't work, where they're just batting down the hatches in the Australia continent and getting their two extra armies every turn. And ultimately, Indonesia will always fall in risk. Yep. I got risk on the mind. <laughs> Clearly, even playing the game. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying there? Yeah. We're like, there's a strategy, and I would love to hear some insight, kind of like you guys were mentioning. Although, you no, know, we're open to looking at all kinds of different ways to improve our ball club. We're going to look, we're, we are going to try and improve in our bullpen. You no, know, we're going to look at, we're going to look for a lefty reliever type thing. Even just some specific like that would be like, okay, like that, that would be nice. Things like that. Just a little bit more specificity, be a little bit more specific of what they're looking for in instances or, yeah, we're going to look at trades. We're going to, everybody's going to be available or no, we're going to look at who is available in these type of guys. That yeah. would just be really nice.
0: Yeah. Like literally just give us something other than the standard. Mm. Well, we just need to play better. Like we've been, we've been getting. Um, and, and Kevin Larson over at rocks, pile the sabermetric Skep- skeptic points out that, you know, Bill Schmidt talks about how, Oh, we need to get better at situa- situational hitting and talk about how we have, pieces and they just need to improve but the team hasn't had a weighted runs created plus over 90 uh, league average is 100 since 2016 so in six years that's crazy we haven't had a league average weighted runs created plus that's crazy Uh, and we just keep getting told oh we need to play we need to play better we have the guys we have the pieces they just need to do better but that's not a strategy. It's not a strategy to just go, "Oh, well, we'll do better." How are you going to do better? And I, and I get that like there's some things like you can't say, "Oh, we're probably going to make coaches changes to our coaching staff in a press conference before the season ends" cuz you still got a week, week and a half to play. But yeah. you could say something like, "We are going to evaluate our coaching staff" or something like that. Give us literally anything to work with
2: instead of just telling us of the reason that the Rockies were terrible in 2022 was that Chris Bryant only played in 42 games because more or less this entire season has felt like season two of Dragon Ball Z where it's just Vegeta Goku or Gohan and Krillin hanging out against the Ginyu Force and Frieza and Goku's in just a little healing chamber (laughs) that'll do it
0: our strategy can't be the dvd strategy of hang back bide your time and wait for goku (laughs) exactly like (laughs) that
2: that, seriously (laughs) that is perfect where no yeah when chris bryant was playing he was fantastic in those literally like two months that he got to play no he was really good but the injuries held him back but the Rockies just continue harping like man if we had just had Chris Bryant we would be way more competitive right now but Chris Bryant can't pitch for you he's only getting maybe three at bats a game so there's a lot more that you need than just Chris Bryant showing up going super sane and punching somebody in the face (laughs) but what is your take there on Chris on the Chris Bryant stuff Mac real quick
1: Just that, I I mean, I, I look, we had about 30 ish games of Chris Bryant this season and he played pretty well in those games, but he is not. Baseball does not baseball needs more than one player to come in and turn a team season around in football. You could draft Tom Brady, not draft, but you could trade Tom Brady to the Broncos and they become a demonstrably better team. You could trade, you know, LeBron James to the, I don't know who's bad right now, the Hawks, and they become a demonstrably better team, right? Like, you can do that. That doesn't work in baseball. Mike Trout could join the Rockies tomorrow, and they don't win 15 more games next season. You have to have that full team working together in tandem. Does Chris Bryant being in the lineup lengthen your lineup and make you a better team on that day? No doubt. But he's not going to turn your entire season around. Baseball's 162 games. We consider an above-average war to be, like, three. You know what I mean? Like, you cannot just expect Chris Bryant's health to be the main contributing factor to getting you back to relevance and back to success. I want nothing more than for Chris Bryant to come back healthy next season and bop, like we were used to seeing him do in Chicago and San Francisco. He seems like a good dude. He seems like he wants to be here. <laughs> they want to be here. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, I do, I want him back, but I also think it's a little short-sighted to think that him being back in the lineup is like, the key contributor, like this is the thing that'll get us back in the playoffs. Everything else can stay the same. I I don't think that that makes any sense.
0: Well, I mean, and it's even the same of, oh, well, we just need uh, Herman and Kyle to pitch better. It's like, okay, that's two pitchers. Your rotation is five pitchers and the rotation has been demonstrably bad this season where Kyle Freeland is the only pitcher in this rotation with an ERA under five. Wow. What are you going to do about that? Yep.
2: Have Chris Bryant pitch.
0: That's that is the answer. Get hey, Chris Randall Grichik and uh, Brian Servant both have ERAs of zero out yes, of the bullpen. Do. Yes, they
1: do.
2: What's Joshua Fuente's doing? He can pitch.
0: Yeah, get
1: him back up here.
2: <laughs> but it, it, that I think that's the big thing is partly it always feels like the front office sometimes doesn't take responsibility when it's always you know, kind of pointing to the players of, well, Chris Bryant didn't get to play and we just need to play better. Our guys underperformed. If I was a player and like heard that year after year, like they know, they know they struggled and did things. They maybe didn't play to the thing. But for me if to hear it every single year, you just need to play better. You just kind of throw your hands up. Like I'm doing my best. Like what else am I supposed to do when it doesn't feel like I'm being supported by the front office in terms of maybe acquisitions or coaching staff or you no, know, whatever it may be. No, just from my perspective, if I was a player right now, that's how I'd feel. Yeah. Not great. Oh man. Frustrating. Mm-hmm. But one day we'll have Chris Bryant fuse with somebody else and we'll get a super awesome player <laughs> who will fight Majin Buu. That's, the dude, the Dragon Ball Z way, man. That's the
1: way the Rock is going to make the playoffs. Dragon Ball Z way.
0: <laughs> Teach everybody
2: the fusion dance. A baseball,
0: a baseball team is like the spirit bomb. Got to put all your energy together. I love sure. that.
2: Put your arms in the air. <laughs> and it works better when everybody, like Evan said, don't just sit back and wait for Goku to show up. Because guess what? You got Piccolo. You got yeah. Gohan, you got Vegeta, you got Trunks, you got Goten, you got Krillin, for goodness sakes. <laughs> they can all do stuff. Anywho's, we'll start up with our DBZ talk and <laughs> take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about, well, this final week of the season. That's tons of fun. And also what they did at home this year. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that little short break. I'm still here with you as Skyler Timmons, along with Evan Wang and Mac Wilcox. Uh, we'll try to keep the Dragon Ball Z talk to a minimum, but no promises <laughs> because Dragon Ball Z is awesome. Facts. And the references just work perfectly. Also Facts.
0: <laughs> Krillin got disrespected because he is, without a doubt, the strongest human. He is the strongest regular human.
1: Yeah, regular people are whack.
2: My favorite part in it's like the resurrection. F. Saga, Golden Frieza, yeah. when they're fighting all the Frieza forces, and then Krillin's just super awesome. He's like, "Well, I guess all these years stand on the sideline, being around all these Saiyans and whatnot, have made me actually stronger. Like he got stronger by osmosis." Just by being around all those guys. And it's hilarious
0: to me. That's how it works. (laughs) He was already the strongest regular human. He doesn't get get enough credit.
2: It's true. And then he becomes a cop. Is Krillin stronger
1: than Tien? Yes. Okay, we're going to argue about this later. What's the baseball stuff we have next?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Rockies are currently finishing up the season on a nine game road trip from hell through (laughs) San Francisco and six against Los Angeles. We'll talk about those in just a little bit, but we wanted to kind of focus here on the Rockies home, uh, time at home this season, where as in 2021, they were a dominant team at home. One of the best teams in baseball when playing at home at Coors field. Unfortunately in 2022, that was not the case. As they went 41-40, and 40, they lost a ton of their final games there at home in their final home stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan and I were both at that final home game of the season last Sunday, which <laughs> that was a fun time.
0: <laughs> How was that game, Evan? It started off really bad, and then kind of the middle. It was, it was kind of fun again, and then it ended really bad. Yes, it did.
2: <laughs> and he was hot. And then, about about the eighth inning, after Alex Colney kind of struggles mightily and the game just gets way out of hand, you just lost interest. And then the players then had to take a lap around the field, waving at everybody. <laughs> Not a yeah, good it was, time.
0: It was the most bittersweet, depressing end of season. End of home season parade thing ever. <laughs> the final score it was twelve sad. to six,
2: and then to force those guys to walk around the field and say thanks for supporting us, I'm like man, this is this is just cruel. That's I mean, they
0: me. they got some love from the very few people that were left in the ballpark. Exactly.
2: My favorite part is Michael Tolia was walking by. Uh this kid was right on the, the fence yelling at Michael Tolia to give him his vipers. His like oh. sunglasses or whatever. Nice. And then Michael Tolia looked at him like took him off his hand and like almost went to like give him boom, and then he's like, nah, and pulls back in and a sudden keeps walking. And the wow. kid got super sad. <laughs> what a heel. It was really funny. Yeah,
0: That's- I wouldn't give a kid my pit vipers. Those things are kind of pricey. Exactly. They are. Yeah, they are.
2: But so but overall this season at home, the Rockies were just kind of meh, just kind of bland at home. A place where more than most, they should dominate when they're at home mm. to make up for how terrible they are on the road. And so what what went wrong this season at home, Mac? What you were at a lot of games in person. Yeah. What, what kind of did you notice at times at home that maybe were different from last season? Yeah.
1: Well, so first and foremost, and this is there's nobody listening to this podcast that doesn't already know this. The Rockies hit a lot of ground balls. Our man Evan is amazing and supplies us with the stats before these things. Both of you guys do. Evan hit me with one this time that says opponents had more course homers than the Rockies did, and that cannot work. Like that's like that is not gonna that's not gonna work. Like it, it, you've got your team, and I get that the Rockies are changing their identity from a offense first team you know to kind of more pitching and defense and low scoring win games like that's fine but man oh man like you just can't do it you can't have a team like the Rockies playing at altitude for half their games coming in and hitting so few home runs the other thing too is that the pitching regressed uh especially kyle freeland who has called coors field home and has been exceptional at Coors field over the last couple seasons he struggled mightily at home versus on the road. Austin Gomber was the same way, and you know Jose Iranyia and Chad Cool start off the well. Chad Cool start off the season pretty hot, and then struggled at home. Iranyia obviously wasn't around with the team for as long as Cool was, but he also had a couple of nice starts at home before really starting to fall apart. And I think it's just kind of all of it. Like unfortunately, I, I think you just saw the Rockies really regress at home in basically all aspects, even their defense, like. It it was just one of those things where, you know, everything that could have gone wrong for them at home did. And yeah, man, just the number of ground balls we saw hit, the number of situations. How many times do we see the Rockies have men on base, you know, either two or maybe even the bases loaded with with no outs and not score because you get a ground ball back to the pitcher and then a ground to double play? You know, you just saw so many of these situations where the Rockies could put up a crooked number and instead they, you know, they hit a ground ball out of the to get the opponent out of the inning. And then the opponent comes in the top of the frame and scores five runs with six doubles and, you know, a home run like it's just it's not sustainable. Uh, and this is one of those ones where my, you know, inexperience in this is going to show because I have no idea how to fix that. I, I have none other than like, you know, the hitting coach and the pitching coach has got to get together and figure out what to do. But yeah, man, it was, it was not a great time. Um, It's one of those things that teams will go through, but it haven't hit us with that stat uh, about how the Rockies offense has been struggling the last six seasons. This is just the next step in that.
0: Yeah. And it, so I'm going to expand a little bit on the, the home runs at home, the Rockies, at home this year, hit 98 home runs in Coors Field over the 81 home games versus opposing teams hit 102. So it's not a lot, but that is still four more that the Rockies were outslugged in their own ballpark where they are supposed to, where they allegedly have that gigantic home field advantage of playing at Coors Field. The Rockies in general were outscored at home. Uh, They were outscored 476 to 456. And they just barely finished with a winning record at home of 41 and 40. And the whole point is if the Rockies are going to be bad on the road and they are terrible on the road, then they should at least be good at home. But they weren't really good at home. They were just kind of meh. And the the overall issue was it was that that ground ball rate it was that failure to get the ball in the air and yeah they had a pretty solid batting average at home of of 283 but slugging under four under 500 and a team ops of just 803 that's that's just fine they did okay at home and then the pitching at home really was not very good where uh team era at home of 530 over 740 total innings uh 245 walks versus just 581 strikeouts uh pretty high team whip at home of 1.451 and averaging about 2.37 strikeouts per walk that's not great and so you've got the pitching struggling at home you've got a failure to really launch the ball in the environment where you should be able to specifically launch the ball and it leads to just this this mediocrity that we had at home and i don't really know what this team plans to do about it because it really was frustrating like that last homestand was pretty miserable where we got swept by the giants in four games and then lost a three-game series to the padres two games to one and then immediately had to hit the road again for this last big road trip of the season that is already off to a pretty bad start. It's just, it's discouraging. And it was, it was not a fun home game finale to be at. If you're a fan, like I said, that stadium was pretty empty by the end of the game because we went from getting blown out to pulling back up to getting blown out again, but never held the lead during that game. Mm. And rough. the the whole the whole thing is that if you have this alleged home team advantage, and you're going to be so bad on the road because of the hangover effect from that home team advantage, then you do really well at home. But there's no justification that I can see for ha- even having that course field hangover this year when we didn't even do that good at home. We lost 40 games at, at home. That's only uh, 11 less than we lost on the road. Yeah.
2: And, and something that's interesting, you know, if you look through fan graphs at the, the splits for the season, you know, the Rockies are you know, off, l- offensively looking at the numbers. They're among you no know, top teams offensively when they play at home. You know, the offense did just fine but whatever they do at home is then immediately negated by you know everything they do on the road where you have to be the best of the best at home to even try to even out the struggles they have on the road right now and so you look at the numbers and like yeah they have the best home team batting average at home you know the best on base you know, 98 home runs is still in the top 10 you no know, they have a fairly low strikeout rate maybe middle of the line all this stuff but their wins weighted runs created plus is down in the bottom no so they get on base they generate offense quote unquote but they don't drive in runs they're not putting up big numbers and then everything they do are able to do feels like it was negated by pitching that really struggled they're regressing in the rotation the bullpen coming in and really putting things well out of reach to secure losses. I think that's kind of, it was mismatched. There was no balance again at home where one thing would be working. The other thing wouldn't be. Yeah, And that's really frustrating to watch either as a player, you know, or even just as fans. Like we mentioned that last game, it was. it got really close. You're like, oh man, they're getting blown out. And then some offense, some home runs oh, they're back within two. Like, we have a chance. Maybe we can tie this thing up. Oh, nope, never mind. They have a four-run, five-run top of the eighth. This thing's out of hand. And and so I think that pitching really hurt them this year where we've gotten kind of used to the offense. We expect the offense to do a little better at home. Look at individual numbers. Guys are kind of in line with last year. But that pitching really – those pitching struggles were really on display they had to pitch at home
0: yeah and you combine the the pitching struggles with that um you brought up how we have one of the one of the worst you know weighted runs created plus at home and that really goes about what we've talked about before where a lot of the stats for the rockies are really excelling in are are kind of empty so you've got that high batting average you've got that that high on base percentage but you're not really scoring runs out of it. And I think that's demonstrated by the fact that the Rockies were outscored at home uh, and outslugged at home. And yeah, the 90, the 98 home runs isn't, isn't terrible, but that's still, we gave up more home runs than we hit. Yeah. And you got to think about, well, then how many of those home runs were just solo shots for that way to runs created plus to be that low.
2: I think that's kind of what it boiled down to is the pitching really negated whatever offense we did talk about is just kind of empty I'm like yeah they did sometimes they did a lot did enough to win some games other times they did enough to win it and then the pitching just wasn't able to get it done yep and you know, it's a really good example of that all the time
0: is if you look at the schedule breakdown on say baseball reference and it um It works out the team win-loss splits and one of those categories is blowouts where you are winning or losing by more than five runs by five or more runs so the Rockies won 10 blowout games so that's 10 games where we won by five or more runs cool but we lost 28 of them
1: oh dude I was going to guess the number I was going to say 20 that's crazy 28 just shy of 30
0: that's crazy that's terrible. It's pretty bad. And it's frustrating because, you know, Mac, as you've as you've brought up, the if we're not going to be a, a team where we're going to hammer the hell out of the ball, then we're going to be a pitching and defense team. But the pitching's been bad this year. Yeah. And the defense has been bad this year. Yep. And the offense hasn't been uh has been okay in the empty stats, but pretty bad this year. So that all rounds up to as we've discussed before what is the identity of this team mm. cuz we don't hit and we don't pitch and we don't defend outside of Brendan Rodgers who is the uh the MLB leader in defensive war right now which that's pretty cool but where does that leave us
2: nowhere good i was going to say the same thing
0: <laughs> especially when we're when we're about when we're hitting this brutal 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 final stretch of the season where we have six games left as of day of recording all against the dodgers who we are we're five and eight against the dodgers this year which is honestly better than i would have expected but we just got swept again for the second time in like a week by the giants and now we're about to start the series the rockies are one and nine in their last 10 games and in order to finish above seventy wins, uh, the Rockies have to win all six of these games against the Dodgers. That would put them at seventy-one wins. And judging from, like we discussed last week, Max uh, Bet of yeah. the Tattoo, that's uh, we are incredibly confident that that's not going to happen. I would be, I I view it as almost impossible for us to win all six of those games, not, not completely impossible because, you know, nothing is technically impossible, but so highly unprobable that it might as well be. What do you guys <laughs> think about how this, uh, this six game series is going to go, especially with how the Rockies have been trending. Like I said, one in nine in their last 10 games, five and eight, uh, in the year against Los Angeles. Currently the Rockies are sitting at 65 wins. One and five. All right, so Mac thinks that we are going to win one game against the against the Dodgers. So they're that'll give get, us sixty-six not six total games. wins.
1: Yeah, they're not going to lose six games in a row. Like they've already lost five in a row. They're not going to lose eleven games to end their season. It's just not going to happen. But I do think that they will be incredibly lucky if they win two games. With with the way LA is playing in their house, with the way the Rockies are playing on the road, yeah, no one one
0: wins. My guess. All right, so you are predicting a final record for the season for the Rockies of sixty-six and ninety-six. I think that's about right. Yeah. Skyler, how about you?
2: I would fall in line with that. I just gotta at least have some hope that they can squeeze out just one win. Yeah. You no, know, whether Clayton Kershaw, hopefully, or maybe this well, no, we always make rookies look like all stars. <laughs> uh <laughs> That's so cold, but it's so true. I was looking at game two. And I was like, "Michael oh, Bro, I don't crazy. know who that is." Hopefully, we can beat up on him. And like, wait, nope. That's so funny. Uh, and then they have Tyler Anderson in game three. Ooh, huh. Uh, I kind of fall in line with Mac. Like one in five. I just by some stroke of luck, they're not going to get swept. Hopefully, but it's going to be tough. They're gonna to have to bring their A game. Somebody's gonna to have to be perfect in one of those games on the mound to limit them, and the offense has just got to do just enough. Yep. To squeak some runs across. And if they do it against Clayton Kershaw, great. If not, I don't know. Yeah. But the fact that the Dodgers have 108 wins coming into this start of this series and could end, you know, have a legit shot at winning all six ending the season at about 114 wins like that's a real possibility it very much is a possibility
0: so before i get into so both of you are predicting that we are going to finish tying for the second worst record in franchise history with the 2014 rockies at 66 and 96 before i get into what my prediction is going to be i'm just going to go over really quick the two worst seasons in franchise history are of course 2014 like i just said and 2012 where we finished 64 and 98. So it's impossible for happened. us to have our worst season ever. Yeah. We'll likely tie for second worst season going by your predictions. Yeah. So I want you guys to tell me if you think so the the current uh highest war player on Baseball Reference for the Rockies right now is Brendan Rodgers with 3.8 and for each of these two seasons i want you to tell me if you think the top player on that team had more or less war ah. uh, than brendan Rodgers does right now ah okay uh and what were the two years one more time the two years are 2012 worst season and 2014 okay. second, worst, second season. worst season okay i'm gonna say in 2012
1: there was a player with a better war than Brennan Rogers and I'll do you one better. I'm going to say that I think that player was 2012 was Nolan around then? I don't think so.
0: No, he was not. Carlos
1: Gonzalez. Yeah. I was going to say, so let's say Carlos Gonzalez had a higher war in 2012 and in 2014, I'm going to say that there was not a player with a higher war than Brendan Rogers. Skyler, get in on this.
2: Uh, I'm just trying to remember those rosters. No, me
1: too. Totally.
2: Um, let's see. Because Michael Kadire was around for those he three seasons. But he was injured a lot, so it's not him. Yeah, I'd say Cargo more in 2012. Uh, Justin Moreno was
1: around then too, wasn't he?
2: He was in 2014.
1: And yeah, he won a batting title that year.
2: Um, or maybe
1: the year after.
2: Would it be... I want to say there's somebody higher in 2014. I don't know who.
0: All right, Evan, give it to us. All right. You would, you would like to know the results. I would. Uh, first of all, I will say, yes, Justin Morneau won the batting title in 2014 ah, with an average know. of 319. In 2014, there was one player who had a better war than our man Brendan Rodgers. That was Troy Tulowitzki with 5.7. Wow. Really? In 14? In 14. Ooh. Wow. Uh just behind Brendan Rodgers would be 2014 Nolan Aranato with 3.6. Uh, of course. And batting title winning Justin Morneau at uh-huh. 3.4. Uh-huh. Uh re- he rounds out a group of four players who um have a war over three for the 2014 season. The last one was Corey Dickerson at 3-1. Oh yeah. Uh for fun reference. So that's in 2014, our second worst season ever. That's four players with a war above three. Uh, 2022, we have two players with a war above three.
1: Brendan Rogers and hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, Bard. Correct. Yep.
0: And then for 2012, you are both wrong. Oh. Brendan Rogers' 3.8 war is better than anyone on the 2012 team. Wow. Where the leader by war. Of that team was Raphael Pardon. Betancourt at 2.6. No way. Followed by Dexter Fowler, also at 2.6. Wow.
1: Okay. So that's 20. You said that's 2012. That's 2012. So that might actually low key be like, even though there was a worse team record wise in 2014, 2012 might be like the least fun year in Rockies history. That's crazy. You could have given me a hundred guesses. I would never have guessed that Betancourt led the team in war. That's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Uh, and then, uh, just to follow up, because you were both bringing up Cargo, Cargo only had a war of 1.6 that year. He must have been hurt.
2: That might have been the year he was dealing with those foot injuries. Or the tentacle in his hand.
0: Uh, and he, he turned into an octopus and, He played 135 games that season. Uh, and slashed 303 371 510 so oh, i actually had a pretty good wow. season what? so i'm willing to bet yeah. his defense drags him down a little bit well, there that's, and must. wow that's crazy
2: that 2012 oh, wow. is the worst year in Rockies history there it is
1: been, it cannot be debated that is that
2: season end. never that season never happened i refuse right. to acknowledge it that's right
0: and like we've that's had great. some pretty bad years like in in 99 which was the the year that uh Dante Bichette had like negative war because his defense was so bad. Mm. Uh despite being really good offensively, you know, still had a better record at 72 and 90. And our highest war player was uh Pedro Estacio at 5.9. Even in the in the COVID shortened 2020 season, Trevor Story had a war of 2.6. And think about how that would have climbed had we played a full season here. Yeah. Sure. So regardless of of anything this has been a very discouraging season you look at those war numbers for each player the fact that we only have two guys above three and it really does if 2012 puts us as the second worst season and uh as 2012 is the worst season in franchise history then i think we can say that if we finish with the same record as we did in 2014 which I also agree with both of you, I think we're going to snag one from the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Then that puts us with the same record, but I would say that this was a worse season. Wow. Oh yeah. Just with
2: expectations too, and everything around coming into the season. Sure. And then just the utter collapsed and failure of a lot of things where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Give some 2012 vibes. Cause that's what happened that year too, where a lot of things went wrong, and injuries just decimated the roster, and you know, a ton of guys just didn't perform well. You know, struggles across the board. 2012 is very reminiscent of 2022, and what do you know? They both end in two, 10 years apart. How about that? How about that?
1: The 10-year anniversary of the worst Rocky season of all time is heralded by the second worst Rocky season of all time. You've got to love it.
0: And you look at, it, it's like, it is, it is rough to look at these war totals. Like, yeah, we have a decent amount of guys who have above one war. Great. So 10 of our top 12 players for baseball reference have over one wins above replacement. And then numbers 11 and 12 are Connor Joe with 0.9 and Nelson Lamette, who has barely played with this team at 0.6. What a season.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the fact that in twenty twelve Tyler Colvin had a higher war on baseball reference than Carlos Gonzalez, DJ LeMayhew, Adam Otavino, you know, Michael kadire Troy Tolowitzki, Charlie Blackman, Todd Helton, the legend Jamie, Morna, Jamie Moyer.
0: <laughs> Yeesh. Well even look at it like-, like it some of these names you go through, you bring up Tyler Colvin. A lot of these other guys are, are guys who you would never expect. So you have uh, EY Jr. with 1.8 in 2012 and Josh Renneke with 1.9 and Rex brothers with 1.4. He had something for a minute, but you look at this 2012 and we have more players in 2012 with over one wins above replacement than we do in 2022.
1: That is no that's no arrowing.
0: It's not that's, great. That is a It's not great. Bunch of stat. Wow.
2: <laughs> that's it. We're getting the infinity stones or we're going into the quantum realm. We're changing some things.
1: I think this might be the worst segment we've ever done. I really I think this might be it. I think this is our all-time finding <laughs> out segment. This is crazy.
2: Wow. It is rough. Wow. You know, it's like, it's like poetry. It rhymes.
0: <laughs> Every scene is so dense. Anyway, see
2: y'all
1: next season. Get <laughs> away for opening day. 30 years.
0: Off-season Yay! can't come
2: soon enough. Wowzers. But, oh man. Man, it's just depressing.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's wait, this a brutal is like the way end to it. end our second-to-last episode of the regular season.
2: <laughs> Happy to be here. This this is our Avengers Infinity War where Evan just comes in as (laughs) Thanos and just snaps his fingers and Mac and I are
0: just decimated. I certainly feel like I'm about to turn to dust after reading through those numbers. Mr. Schmidt, I don't don't feel feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) See, that sets up next week. we get out of here? Yeah, that sets up
2: next week when we travel back in time to 2012 and we put Troy Tulowitzki in a glass of bu- in a just bubble wrap. That's right. Or something. Fixes everything. Yikes.
0: Who is yeah, we'll if we're doing time. if we're doing Infinity War and Brendan Rogers is our lead war player, who is he reaching out his hand to and saying this is no place to die before he turns to dust in the surprise stinger?
1: Uh Alan Treho. <laughs> oh, oh, oh
0: there it is. Good. Wow. Yikes. But what a season, huh guys? What a season.
2: (laughs) Where we will get the time machine stuff from Deadpool 2 and travel back in time to fix the timeline.
1: That's exactly what it is.
2: That's the only thing we can do. And perhaps we prevent certain people from buying the team.
0: (laughs) Who knows? This is is a Deadpool situation. Who's coming back next season for 2023? Like Hugh Jackman is coming back for uh, Jamie Deadpool Moyer. Moyer. Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer is returns. the actual answer. No, that's the actual answer. Jamie <laughs>
1: yeah. No, that's it.
0: All right, oh, guys. I think, It'll be Chris to, I think it's time. I think it's time to get out of here, don't you? Yes, please. Yeah,
2: let's go ahead and wrap this up, yeah. Skylar, please. Deliver. The time has come. All righty. Mac, where can the folks find you and what have you been working on? I'm
1: probably in my bedroom crying after this, but also uh, I'm at Twitter at uh, Mac Wilcox CBP. I'm so rattled. I don't even know what my handle is anymore. I'm working on a few things. Got game reports all the time, Tuesdays and Fridays typically, and uh, also have some pieces coming out on uh, some potential offseason moves moves, the Rockies as well as the world baseball
0: classic. Evan, where are you at? You can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. I would love to hear from you. Uh, most recently I wrote an article about Charlie Blackman's season coming to an end and sort of what to expect from the next year or so out of Mr. Chuck nasty as he, uh, nears the end point of his career, Uh um, go ahead and check that out on www.purplerow.com where you can also find all of our other awesome writers and contributors. If you see an article you like on Purple Row, feel free to share it. We yep. uh, we really love getting those uh, those views from you. and We try to do it without resorting to being clickbaity on you. Facts. Skylar, how about you? Where can you be found at?
2: Uh, on the internets. Uh, you can find me... <laughs> at sideline underscore crowd over on twitter doing all that stuff and find me as i slowly go into the off season binging rings of power and other shows as i find them nice good stuff also shout out to warren schaefer the isotopes manager who says he only reads us so shout facts. out to you mr warren schaefer yeah if we, lifts,
1: then we love you Shafe. yeah we love you schaefer big old facts. Doing good work down there in Albuquerque.
2: I'd laugh if you just never listen to the podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just read the articles. I don't like those guys on the podcast. <laughs> I don't watch that anime they
0: talk about all the time. <laughs> I tried listening to this week's article, but they just wouldn't stop talking about Goku.
1: What does that even mean? What is a Goku? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: anyways, you can always find us each and every week. As we slowly head into the off-season, again, as always, we thank you all for joining along with us. Share with your friends. You can find us on purpleroad.com. You can also find this podcast through the website as well as your favorite podcasting medium. Every listen is appreciated and shared. Yeah. Interact with us and talk to us about our dumb references. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho's, We're going to get on out of here and go cheer ourselves up with a bucket of ice cream. We'll see you next time. Hit them with it, Mac. Next time on Affected by Altitude.
0: (laughs) We're going to rock the dragon.
2: Kyle Ken!
1: Rocky's the dragon.